laughing and your hearts have been uh, encouraged and broken at the same time. Uh, it's called balance. We're talking about this little figure right here. If I pull it out, we're trying to balance this little thing called finances and how do we do it? We're trying to balance it. We need a reference point, right? I gotta follow where the money's going. Where is the money going? I gotta watch it. That was the first lesson. The second lesson is why am I holding a stick in my hand? It's because I want to balance it, right? And last week we talked about constant correction. If I don't move my hand and have a reference point, I'm constantly correcting the way I move my hand so I can balance it properly. And so last week we talked about one correction was uh, getting out of debt, getting out of slavery of debt. And we had a lot of scriptures and you were very encouraged and some of you were very shocked to realize, man, debt's a serious thing that can really enslave us. We need a, a, a really to address that. Today I'm going to address another correction, another correction that we need. So last week we covered this. We're going to cover one more correction because you're always the, always the constantly correcting the situation, because I want to balance and be balanced financially. And that's where God wants us. Last week we talked about having a margin. The more of a margin you have, the more you can, you can be free to do what God wants you to do. A margin to be generous and helping other people in need. You know, we have people in church that have a great need that are barely hanging on by hair of their chinny-chin-chins. And some of you would love to help them, but since you have no margin, you're unable to help them. So we're, we're going to help you understand where God wants to take you so you can be free financially and we want that for you. Okay? So today we're going to talk about extra money. And you're thinking in your head right now, I don't have any extra money. In fact, after you've, after you've gotten your food on your plate and a roof over your head and transportation to and from work, you actually have extra. You just don't realize it. Everything outside of your food, your home, and getting to and from work is... What I, I say and the scriptures teach is extra. Let me give you an example of extras. You eat out, you got extra. You ever go to the movies, you got a little extra. You have a cell phone or two, you got extra. You have, you have video game consoles, maybe you got two of them, you got extra. Maybe you have a seasonal wardrobe, you got extra. Maybe you have an expensive coffee habit. You got a lot of extra. Maybe you go to four bucks right there. Why do we have garage sales? To get rid of our extras. Right? We have hobbies. We do stuff because we got extra. That's to answer the question, do you have extras? Yes, you have extra. I have extra. But our margin is so thin, we feel like we have no extra. There's no room. For anything extra. I cannot be generous. We're so accustomed to the extra. Is that we feel financial pain. When we have less than extra. We feel. Oh I'm in financial burden. Painful. Than what we're used to. So that's why we're asking this question. That we rarely ask. Why do I have. Extra. Why do you have extra. We only are confronted with this. When we're around substantially poor people. When I drive through Westlake and Sherwood Village over there in the golf course, which I go to to visit just to daydream sometimes. I was here once to watch a golf tournament. I go, and every time I drive near that area, I think, man, I don't have enough. 
I'm lacking. And then I go over to Savior's Road in Oxnard, and I go, man, I got too much, man. What am I doing with this stuff? I'm a, I'm a greedy person. We, we, we rarely want to drive through that road. We more like to travel the Westlake Village Road. We're going, it's obviously I don't have enough. I got to turn my car in and get a big, bigger, better car. It's got to have all the, all the bells and whistles. See, because culture keeps you laser focused on what you don't have versus what you already have. And when you focus on what we don't have, when you focus on what you don't have, it makes your heart vulnerable to something the Bible calls greed. Because it keeps you focused. I don't have this. I don't have that. Oh, I have an old, I don't even have a smartphone. I need a smartphone, right? I don't have an iPad. I need two iPads. I need laptops. I can have access to the internet at all times. When I'm in my car, I got a laptop. I got my own little Wi-Fi. I got to be connected. Why? Because our culture is telling us that we don't have enough. That's why I can't stand watching commercials. It's like, I need a new shirt. No, you don't. I have, I have a nice shirt. This is a nice shirt. I've had it for nine years. It's a good shirt. It's a good shirt. But my temptation when I see that, oh, I've had it for nine years, therefore you're, you're done, buddy. But what the scriptures teach you, no, it's still good. It's still operational. This morning I got in my car and my, my check engine light turned on. Of my 11-year-old 2012 Montero Sport. I'm going like, she might be going in for the dirt nap this year. She might be going in. You know, she's been already, this car's on, she's broken down three times. We've kept her alive. We're trying to keep this balanced, right? We're trying to do it. So Jesus defines greed as this. The assumption, like you assume, that the extras are for your consumption. That's what Jesus defines as greed. That we assume that anything outside of our food, our home, the vitals, everything extra, we assume and we consume these things because it's ours. That's how our culture has taught us. And so Jesus handles this extra writing a parable, writing a story of two guys arguing over money. Here's the main uh, thesis of my uh, lesson today. is A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I want you to say with me, read me, a man's life does not consist... In the abundance of his possession. Look with me in your Bibles in Luke chapter 12. We'll see what Jesus, how he addresses the extras. Okay? If you don't have your Bible with you, if you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. I have it on the screen here. Okay? Chapter 12, verse 16. So there's, there's one day, these two brothers who are, who, are, who are arguing, one brother is accusing the other brother of being greedy because he wouldn't give him his fair share of the inheritance. And Jesus warns the guy who's complaining, who has nothing, and he also warns the guy who has the money. He warns both of them about being greedy. And here's, that's the statement that we, that we just um, recanted. So here's the story. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops, his extra crops, 
He had extra because these were things out of his control. He didn't control how much rain. He can control the, the, the bugs and all the all how, how to produce. It just happened outside of his control. Many, many for us, we get jobs in the economy because it's outside of our control. We don't control the economy. We just benefit from the economy. So this guy had an incredible crop. And he thought to myself, I have no place to store the extras. Okay? So let's continue. In verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my extra grain and goods. It's not a bad idea if this life was all there is. Not a bad idea. It's a good plan. He was planning ahead, just not far enough ahead. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good, extra good things there for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry, and watch zombie movies on Sunday night. It's a good plan. But he doesn't have control of his future either. He never had control of the economy, and he was blessed with extra. And he doesn't have control over when he leaves this earth. He has no control over these things. He was planning ahead, just not far ahead. And if the story would have stopped there, we'd be like, this guy is a role model. This guy is amazing. Where did he go to school? What was his SAT score? Obviously, he has wisdom to see the future. We would be a role model. And he assumes that his extra is for his consumption. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry with the extra. That's what he thinks. And so Jesus is addressing the extras right here in this parable. Okay? But God says to him, You fool! This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Now, he's a fool not for being rich, but he's a fool for being confused by the extra. He didn't know why he had it. He just got it. And so this very night, your life will be demanded from you. He ran out of time before he ran out of money. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who will get the extra? Somebody will. Someone else will. But not because you were generous. It's because you're dead. Someone will inherit what you have. And who knows what they'll do with it. Who knows whether our children will be wise with what we leave them. Who knows? At the rate my kids are, they'll have nothing left. (laughs) They want to spend, spend, and spend. They assume any extra in the jar is theirs. And I'm trying to teach them it's a deception that I have and that we all have. We are deceived into thinking everything extra is for my consumption. That's why most of us don't have a margin in our budget. We, don't, we, are, we are razor thin, man. Razor thin. If some spouse overspends, there's a fight. There's a fight over this. Divorces. Number one reason. Stare at it right there. Stare at it right there. Number one reason. People divorce. Women are embittered because the situation financially is unstable. 
That's why we're talking about money. That's why Jesus talks about it. So look what he says. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Well, what's it going to be? Well, a total loss. Because God says, you fool. You're not, you've blown it. The moral of the story is, if you assume that your extras are for your consumption, you're living in a deceived world. The culturist has has hoodwinked, hoodwinked you into thinking it's yours for consumption. It's not. It's where you can be free. It's so you can be free to do what you want, where God wants you to go, what God calls you to be. It's so God can free you. But the culture is deceiving us into saying, I'm going to control you. And we're stuck. And if God puts on your heart to go somewhere to, to build a church, help support a church, you can't go because you've consumed everything and you have no margin. You can't go anywhere. You're stuck. We can't plant churches. We can't go up the coast. We can't plant Santa Maria. We can't plant San Luis Obispo. We're stuck because we're all stuck in our own lack of margin. We can't go anywhere. And many of us, as our houses are upside down as it is. Why? Because we had no control of the economy. One day we're sitting on $100,000 going, Oh yeah, I'm in the money. Oh, I love you, money. I love you. I love you. Next day, we're, we're 130 grand in the red. Underwater. Can't breathe. I better, I better dump this house. Right? Realize, and then we start realize it was poorly built to begin with. We start realizing we have no control over things, but yet when we live, we live with the assumption that it's for our consumption. So, so what's the, what's the point Jesus is trying to make here? He talks to these two guys. He's showing them this parable. He's trying to help them understand it's not about the extras. The extras are not for your consumption. He says this to these two guys: Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Free yourself. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief, no economy, nothing can come near and no moth can destroy. We are living in an economy that we are reaping the benefits of. If something were to happen to our economy, most of us would be caught red-handed in a financial disaster situation. If you lost your job today, if you lost it all today, we'd be struggling. If the car broke down today, man, we got to borrow to fix it. There's so many areas where we're susceptible to our society, where we have no margin. And so Jesus is saying, look, the reason why you have extras is so you can help other people. Amen. There are people in our church that need our help. You may not think so, because they're not shouting from the rooftops, but they are barely making it. It's not because they have extra. They have the minimum. And you can help them if you understood what Jesus is teaching. The extras is not for our consumption. It's to help other people to do godly things with it. That's why we're talking about being balanced financially. So if a situation comes to your attention, you can actually help. That's what it's for. It's not to, that's not to load up the budget line and barely make it and have no extra. Okay, That's the moral of the story. So what can you take away? Well, we can take away this. For where your treasure is. If this is your treasure, there's your heart. Wherever your treasure is, 
you'll find your heart there. That is an undeniable truth of the Scriptures. God says this because He knows us. He knows us so well because He made us. He knows when our hearts get captivated by something, that's where our heart goes. And everything around that follows. Our budget follows. Everything follows. Suit. And it's really not a great place where we want to be. So here's some takeaways. If you assume that the extra is all for you, you are out of balance. And you have to make a correction. Okay? If you have a savings plan, and a spending plan, but not a giving plan, you need to make a correction to keep balanced. Got to make a correction. When you think the extra is for you, you save carefully, and you give sparingly. I want to give. If God has blessed you with more than what you need, it's so you can share it and share the abundance with others of those in need. When when hope comes around, or when the the team that goes to Guatemala that with some of our brothers and sisters went there to help out, man, we see those going. I want to help, but we can't. Because we assumed everything was for our consumption. We want to donate to help a cause. We can't. We want to. Our heart's there. But our situation's not there. This is why we're doing this lesson. So here's an application for us. I want you to determine, because to be balanced, we want to be, have a giving plan, a savings plan, and a spending plan. Three jars. Determine your giving to God in dollars. Why is that important? Because we can be deceived thinking, man, I'm giving a lot. And when we actually in percentage, you're, you're out of bounds because you're giving very little. Percentage is where, what God looks at. Not the dollar amount. Like I give 30 bucks a week. Yes, but you make $100,000 a year. So we think in percentage, not dollar amount. That's important because that's where the deception lies. That's where we get deceived. We've got to figure that out. Choose a percentage to give to God. Balance. Choose. Decide for yourself. Get on your knees and surrender. Because you're not in control of it. You're not in control of it. It would be a different discussion if we were in control of our, of our destiny, but we are not. We don't know when we will die. And we certainly don't know what the future of the economy is. We certainly don't know how, how if the U.S. gets involved in a conflict in Europe. Right away, I'll tell you that, the stock market's going to take a plunge. Whatever's in there is going to go down. You have no control over it. Yeah. Nothing. When 9-11 hit, worst thing it went was the stock market. Everyone lost a lot of retirement money. A lot. People were working at Taco Bell for a long time. They had to get it, to get it together. Unbalanced. My spending plan, my savings plan, my giving plan. You're out of balance. My spending plan, my savings plan, a little weak there, my giving plan. You can't spend not saved. When you turn 70, you want to live in somewhat of a financial peace. you got to save. Here's my recommendation. Live off 75%, save 15, 10, giving. Spending, savings, giving. 
And even this one should be lower in, in, in practical sense of, hey, I can live with less because I have extras. You want the margin. You want to have a margin in your budget. You want a big, the bigger the margin, the better. Because then you get more and more free. You're not, you're not locked in. You're not held captive by the economy. It helps you to be balanced. This is what I'm talking about. What you do with your extra is an indication of whether or not you believe that your life consists in the abundance of your possession. You know, when you think about this ministry, this is part of your giving plan, is giving to our ministry here, our church. If you believe in this church, if you believe that it's changed your life, and it'll help others change their life, then why are we not investing in the very same thing that has created such a great change? It's an important part of God. His ministry. It's helped your life, and it's continuing to help your life, but it's also what you believe in. If you don't believe in it, you don't give to it. That's how it works. Or maybe you have no room for margin, you're completely out of balance. And so we have to get balanced. As you force yourself to live, and I use the word force there, because you have to make yourself. You know when we make those decisions, you know? You look in the mirror, you go, I need to lose weight. Right? We, we always have those moments where you, you look at the credit card bill going, I had enough. Right? Everyone has to force themselves. Okay? Notice as, as, notice as you force yourself. Not Geo. Not somebody else. But you. Because that's where it begins. You have to make yourself. You have to force yourself to live as one who no longer confuses possessions with life you'll be freed from a terrible deception to think that everything extra is ours to to do what we want. We want you to be balanced. I want this for you. God wants this for you. We want you to understand how this works. I want you to be rich toward God. I want you to take a significant step forward. A step forward, okay, I need to get a plan. Hey, have have you talked with your wife about your debt plan? What is your plan? I know some couples have taken a radical step to get out of debt. They're able to do it. They have, they have, they have no kids, and they took a radical step. We're going to get out of debt. And I talked to one of them this week, and I was like, that's inspiring. They are, they are going after it. Yeah. They'll be out of debt soon. Amen. I want you to take a significant step to be free, to submit yourself to God, and submit yourself to His rule, because God wants you to be balanced. I'm doing this right-handed, and I'm a lefty. I can still do it. Right? That's what He wants for you. That's what I want for you. But so the lesson for today is is that we have to clear the fog of this deception. That the extras that we have, it's not for our consumption. That's the assumption. And just, no, 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 no. It's so you can have the flexibility and the ability to be generous with those in need. And if you're interested in helping people in our church, come see me. There are many ways we can help people in our own congregation who need help. They may never ask for help. They hardly ever ask for help. But they need help. And this is where we as a church can look after each other. If we all had this, the conviction and making ourselves and forcing ourselves to be balanced. I want that for you. Thank you and have a great afternoon.